You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. You know the deal with this program. On this show, we are watching color films made between the years of 1945 and 1965 that were made in the U.S. of A. as windows into the past. We climb through the windows, we explore the world beyond, poke around, take a look at some people, some places, things like that, and then we come back to you through the window again. It's a lot of window climbing involved on this program. Sorry about that. I hope you stretched. Stay limber, everybody. Warm up and then warm down when you're done climbing through the windows. While we are through the other side of the window, we're going to be asking some critical questions such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating one another? What decisions are they making and why? And arguably, actually inarguably, the most important questions of all, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then when we're done asking all those vital questions, we climb back through the window and then we ask ourselves on behalf of you, all of society, hey, this movie that we just watched, the the one we just sat through and then we talked about it for hours and hours and analyzed it, parsed it, chopped it up, chewed it up, spat it out. We keep watching this thing. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my panel of international experts at being humans in the early 21st century, and also the smartest people that I know. Starting on my left, as ever, actually, she's not here, Catherine Sherlock. Hold on here. She did write in something. She sent it via post. It was odd because this was just this morning. It's quite a journey. Uh, three stamps on it, though. Um, uh, it says here, uh, migraine, actually. Oh, it's, it's too bad. It's too bad. It always bad. happens. But next to where Catherine would be, it's always the migraine. You guys, I don't think you know what migraines are. I mean, it's not just <laughs> a headache. Yeah. for, for well, Shrishma Nike, by the way. Hey! Oh, hey. <laughs> Welcoming herself Sorry. onto the program. I uh, jumped the gun there, as usual. Uh, you're a scientist of some repute. Do you right. know what the deal is with the my migraine and the the coding there? Do we know? Um, I think it's a. Uh, it's a female-only coding, so oh, sorry. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Sorry to tell you that. Your womb has a migraine. Right. Okay, I got it. No, got I it. don't think it's not, it's not even that. It's, you know, it's the, it's a standard go-to excuse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just when you want to leave? Yeah, I'm like, bye. I'm I think I got a migraine. Leave. See you later. <laughs> and sitting to your left, across the ocean, my sister and yours, Carolyn Narrows. Hey, sis, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me back. We are, I mean, we can't do it without you. I mean, we have to have you back. Contractually, we're obligated to have you involved. That's but right. more importantly, Carolyn, we've got a very special guest today. Yay. I am and so he is, excited. He is my my brother and yours, David, Davey Nowrose. Hey, David, how are you? Hello. I'm fine. Welcome. <laughs> All business. I like that. Uh, that's how we do it here. Just clipped phrases. Okay. Just yes or no answers. That's all we need. Okay. It's not like a talky type of thing. Okay. So if I address you, I just need you to either nod or just say yes or no. Or shake your head. I'm just going to say he is absolutely as handsome as he sounds. So in case anyone's wondering. Yes, the rumors are true. I mean, we've got him live on screen here and he is a silver fox. 
baby boy. Please, please share content, Carolyn. So this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get lots well. of slow motion pictures of David getting out of a pool, <laughs> brushing his, his hair back. Everyone to uh, some social media where David removes the from the trailer and stacks it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a part of our audience who would love to see that. I'm sure there is. Uh, so this is fantastic. We talked about this uh, during the Excalibur episode, mm-hmm. of course, but we are now engaged fully in a new program called Old David Time Machine. Hey, Woo-hoo! David, you got yourself a show. Actually, you know what? I'm going to run the theme song again. And then when it says uh, movie, David, I'm going to need you to say your name. So, old David Narrows. Time Machine. Oh, you want it the other? You want it just the first? <laughs> all right. All right. David, David, I'm sorry. We're going to back it up. We're going to back up the tape here. It's fine. <laughs> this is all readily available to us. Old David. Time Machine. An adventure through time. And that was really space. good. Wow. I'm excited to be a part of this very special episode of Old David Time Machine because, guys, today we are talking about a motion picture extravaganza called The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit from 1956. And I know what you're thinking. That is a title that is sandbagging. It is hiding the energy within. It is some kind of metaphor Something like this, something uh, s- something symbolic about it. Except, you guys, it is not any of those things. It actually is the story of a man wearing a gray flannel suit. Actually, several men wearing gray flannel suits. Mm-hmm. There is a they are walking uh, astride. They are walking three gray flannel suits deep at a certain point, uh, going Pretty down these hallways. Yeah, and uh, they look great, and they also look gray. Uh, these are a bunch of, of course. Yes. Some of them were brown. <laughs> yeah, I think there was even a, a navy beige. one. But this is the prototypical. We've talked about it many times in the past. Uh, gray men wearing gray suits. Mid- middle-aged white men making decisions, trying to conquer the world around them. This was the 1950s in the United States of America. And we get over two and a half hours of this deliciousness with the man in the gray flannel suit. So we usually, David, I know you're new to the program. I know you've never heard it before. Uh, but what we usually do is we go around the circle. And we give some one-line reviews. So Trish Benike, actually, number one, before we get into this, did you watch any of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I watched the movie, Justin. You did? I didn't. The whole may thing? or may not have stayed awake through the whole thing. Movie Because play. here's the deal. For me, the important parts don't happen until like right at the end. Right. And so I hope you saw some of that. Right. Maybe. I guess I we're going to find out. I guess we? we're going to find out. What's your one line review for the man in the gray flannel suit? Um, can we just in- insert like snoring noise? <laughs> sure. Right here? Right. I should have just recorded me sleeping and used that as my one That's line. great content. Right. I, I, I think we would like to see that in our stories, our Instagram stories. <laughs> yeah, just do a live stream of you napping in front of the movie we're supposed to be watching. I think that's good. This Write us in, by the way, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com if you want to watch Trishman sleep. We can set up some kind of OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, wait. Hey, you know, I've you been like... The, um, the pet cameras that you, we can give her treats. <laughs> oh, is that is that a real yeah, thing? Yeah, like if you get oh. one for your house and you can have the camera, like it will have audio and then you can also let it like release a treat to your dog. Well, you like treats, mm-hmm. right? I do like treats. Yeah, sure. Okay. Maybe yeah. we can work on this. Mm-hmm. You got to pop your top, though. It's OnlyFans. It's gotta- I was going to uh, say, I've been researching OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? 
I think you have to be topless. I think everybody I think on there is topless. To be topless. I think it's a rule. I think you can, a, um, you know, whatever. There's some foot content that's popular now. There is some foot content. I could okay. do like hand content, like you know. Factor. I think. Well, she is. Uh, I'm mesmerized right now by the hand motions that yeah. Trishma is doing. Right. It's a. It's a very. Uh, the nails help. Enchanting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good motion there. That's pretty good. So. One line, rev- only fan one line review. <laughs> one line review. I don't have one. I was. It's oh, it was just. Uh, that's right. Oh, okay. Just. <laughs> all right. I don't know why I kept coming back. I should have known. Hey guys, across the ocean. Hey, Carolyn Nowrose, sister of mine. Yeah. Do you have a one line review for Man in the Gray Final Suit starring Gregory Peck? I do. I would say that this is a cathartic albeit slow unpacking of uh, illness <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. uh in particular white maleness in the united mm, states mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i am anxious to dig deeper into that analysis yeah. I, I think we're going to have some time to do it yeah David. David Nowrose, <laughs> do you have a one-line review for The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit starring Gregory Peck? I do. Uh, okay. I would say... Uh, nope, just just say yes or no, David. What did I say? Yes. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, buddy. Go for it. Now he's shaking his head no. It's the That's root crazy, cause right? of the silent generation. You think this movie is the root cause? Well, or it's, just, or it's, the a content within? it's a depiction of the root cause of the silent generation. Okay, I've got some pushback for you, David. Sure. But first, let, okay, let me hold on. Mine is a movie that feels like working a job. Just the end. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, because every time they start talking about mental health, we get in the weeds about mental health in this fucking speech. I'm like, am I at work right now? Am I getting paid to watch this movie? Because I'm just watching this man at his job. That's all. This that's half the movie. I think it's cyclical and it's generational for sure. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that they made a movie about mental health again in the 50s, isn't that like... Yeah, that's progressive. Right? Uh, no, no. I mean, hey, I, let me be clear. Right. I am pro-mental health right, right. and all of the things that go along with it. Please yeah. be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Please let's take care of our people who are not healthy yeah. mentally. It's not the mental health issue. It's no. just the fact that it's these dudes sitting at their desk talking about yeah. fucking nonsense. Yeah. It's not nonsense. It's no. totally, it's very No, I, I was just saying important. like the, the I take it all back. <laughs> the genre itself, like the fact that they took the time because I don't know like what you think about in the nineteen fifties, like people's mental state was not so so much a priority no, well, with like get on with life. Especially uh, post war. So yeah. when we think right, about but, if, if we go back to the first world war, what we would call post-traumatic stress disorder right would have been called at the time shell shock it yeah. was perceived as a some kind of cowardice or some kind of weakness in the the manliness of the man and then this we start to progress as we learn more about the mind and yeah. what these things will do to right. our physiology so david the only reason i am flagging what you said is because I feel like there's a distinct difference between the silent generation and the greatest generation. And I feel like Greg Peck here falls into the greatest generation as a veteran of the war. And in my understanding, the silent generation was the one that came after World War II and 
That's Korea. Just, that's just me and my ignorance, uh, Justin. No, oh, would, I'm I, not. No, no, no. But I would absolutely agree with you. It is okay. Yes. No, the greatest generation. Okay. Okay. Great. Greatest generation. Best. And this is this is like the American greatest generation. Yeah. So this okay. is how we we split up the 20th century. Okay. Is uh, you know yeah. So you so have like the, the 50s were like. So it depends on how old you are. So mm. if you missed the draft, there's a okay. it, there's a draft at this right. point in the U.S. Mm-hmm. all the way up until the 70s, right? Early 70s. Is mm. that when they got rid of the draft? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like there was a time when you had to serve. Right. And I think compulsory service must have ended in the mm, 60s. I mean. No, I don't know that. Uh, I don't recall that there being compulsory service. I do. I don't even know that there was a need for the draft during World War II. And then going into Korea, post-Korea, there was the need for the draft because of the numbers of people coming out of service prior to Vietnam. Right. Right. Okay. We should be clear as a program, by the way. David, can we talk about your background real quick? Just mention the fact that you are, in fact, a veteran. You are a proud Marine, correct? That is. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I should just say yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's that's all I'm asking for, yes or no. Nod or shake your head. No. So this is a very pertinent episode. We respect what you do. You have turned your life into one of service. And also, to be clear, when you were in the service, were you a combat veteran? Yes. I forget. You were. Okay, okay. So this will also come into play as this movie unfolds because, mm, because he has, yeah. David will have an understanding, a deeper understanding than any of us could get close to as to what Gregory Peck's character might be going through. So the man in the gray flannel suit, this is a drama and it stars Gregory Peck as a man named Tom Rath, who is your average white man of the 1950s America. We start in New York City. We're back in the heart of it all, you guys. This is the epicenter of modern life in 1956, looking real gray and dirty, but also kind of exciting, right? Right. And we we also have a a really solid, like, transportation train opening in this. Oh, yeah. We have the, uh, what is it, the New Hampshire line or something like that? So this guy, he is on... He's on his commuter rail line. He has a commuter rail buddy who he presumably sits with quite frequently, an older gentleman who he is familiar with. And they start talking about something they had apparently talked about earlier, which is that Tom Rath is not entirely satisfied with his position at his current job, which is uh, working at a foundation where he does writing on their behalf for something. But there's not a lot of room for upward mobility Per se, it's. Uh, I'm guessing it's, it's of, a nonprofit foundation, so it's going to yeah. be like salary cap to a certain extent. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, and he's working this through some sense of duty, presumably, and I'm sure it's good work. But he wants a little bit more, and so this older gentleman is like, you know, I know a, a place and a guy where they're looking for some people. Do you want me to put a word in for you? And he's sort of, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. He's not sure yet. I want to talk about something that brings joy to my heart. I call it this parking lot. <laughs> Love it. He gets off. He gets off of this commuter train and he walks out to the parking lot to meet his wife, 
what are we doing here? Let's count some hats, right? This is now we're back to I feel I feel balanced, right? So the hat index right now it looks like there right, are these seven. two gentlemen. Oh God, there's a bunch of there's there. more God, there's hats a, than there than non hats. Hat hat no hat no hat no hat. I feel like that's a kid though that doesn't count. This lady is not wearing a hat that I'm aware of. Tom Rath has a hat. A lot of fedoras though, and a lot of everybody is wearing. Full suit. This guy's suit is actually, he borrowed his dad's suit. It's actually two sizes too large for him. Oh, he's got some, oh, he's got a little, yeah, look at that. He's got some tops on those guys. Yeah. But I love this parking lot and the hat index is high. That's my only note. And it's just a beautiful fall day out here in Connecticut. You know, do they take the hats off on trains? Yes, because people do take the hats off. He's not wearing it on the train. It's the same trip, of course. And I would imagine, again, we talk about with a high hat index comes hat infrastructure. So I would imagine that there's probably the area above, maybe that's where you plop your hat. So I'm guessing, because his wife met him here, um, that this was a time where there would have been maybe one car per family. Sure, yep. That, yep. you know, like, uh, she would drop him off at the train station, and then she'd have a car for the rest of the day while he's at work. Mm-hmm. And then she'd go pick him up. Right, right. And we see, again, we see this with, uh, what's her face? Betty Draper, right? Mm-hmm. Does right. does something similar. Actually, she doesn't, does she, she doesn't, drop him she off? She doesn't always. There was he one just parks times. there. So he gets picked up by his wife. Her name is Betsy, correct? I think so. And we start getting some everyday routine chat between husband and wife. The dishwasher is broken. A new one is expensive. And their daughter has the chicken pox. And isn't it great? To have this life, you guys. Mm-hmm. And his p- other daughter wants to kill the older. Like they were kept talking about. Like is she the children were really fucking. Whiny. Children were rough. Yeah, the boy is talking about how he hates everybody and is going to run away to join the foreign legion or something like this. He's got a full on like French legion outfit that he's wearing for half the film. David, uh, David was like, "That was me as a kid." You were okay. <laughs> One, so- <laughs> he wanted the dog in his bed. And two, definitely in uniform, like Foreign Legion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this, you were this boy then, David. You were, you have always wanted to wear the uniform proudly. Yes. I get. (laughs) Great job. That was a test. You passed. (laughs) Guys, I have an earth shattering revelation I would like to share with you regarding the man in the gray flannel suit. Let's go to. Tom Rath's house. Let's go to the Rath house. Let's check out. Let's let's check in on his daughter who has chicken pox. But let's also make note of the fact that this house is the same house that we see in 1956's Hilda Crane. This is Hilda Crane's bedroom. Mm -hmm. I am not fucking kidding around. Here it is. It is the same set. Mm -hmm. It's it is been redecorated, redressed a bit, but it is identical. That door is the same. The wallpaper is a dead giveaway. So I have to imagine if this set is still standing at this point, that means that the rest of the house is probably just Hilda's house, but yeah. shot from the other angle, basically. So this is what year? 1956. And so is Hilda Crane. Hilda Crane's 56 okay, okay. too. So they build these and they tear them down like nobody's yeah. business, right? So if this is still standing, I got to imagine that the staircase is the same one, the living room. I think they're just shooting it from – in Hilda Crane, remember, there was the 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 father's chair with the pipes and everything. Like we're shooting the house from that room outward basically. 
So yeah, next they, time you're watching, they weren't really this movie, in the kitchen like in Hilda Crane. But they, I don't think they spend any time in the kitchen. No, but I do believe that is the same foyer. If we if yeah. we turn that camera around, we'd see that big scary coat rack hanging on the wall there. Palm so tree. gotcha, busted man in the gray flannel suit or Hilda Crane. Who knows which one came first? Really, guys, let me ask you a question: How are you feeling about Betsy Rath? I feel her deep in my soul because I too hated the kitchen in my first house with a burning passion and wanted to renovate it so badly. I now love my kitchen in my new house. Is that, we also renovated that kitchen in the old house. So Is that her core issue in, in these scenes? I think she feels like life is... Life is so exhausting and the kids are so exhausting and dealing with my husband coming home from work, being a grump is exhausting. I don't think it was just coming home from work. There was a big part of her that kept on bringing up the change that he had yes. post-war. Post this is what I'm curious about because I understand the potential for her to feel this way, but I don't see in him some kind of glaring deficiency. Now, obviously this happens. This is we're 10 years after the war has ended here. So this and is obviously built up. A marriage. What's that? And you're 10 years into a marriage. Yeah, sure. Too. Sure. They're like in the everyday life of it. And it's exhausting. I just, uh, for me, I felt like, all right, Betsy, this is a little rough, a little rough because he's doing his thing. He's working his job. He comes home. He's not an asshole to anybody. He, no. he checks in no. with the kids. He's spending time with his wife. He's trying to do the right thing and be fairly conservative with his decisions to make the right call on behalf of his family. And right. she, she just comes right out of the gates pretty aggressive about what happened to you? Where is the go-getting man that I married? The war has changed you. I just don't, I don't see. Well, it's clearly not the first time she's had that thought or feeling. It's probably been pent up and bottled up and not addressed. And, you know, it's just coming just, out when it's coming, coming out. My, um, perspective here. <laughs> I'm chuckling just because of the work. Oh, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> no, well, I don't hold that. struck but a nerve I, here, folks. No, but I, I, again, to the, to the, to the point or, or to my point regarding the movie of, of man, I find this, you know, not only, you know, I don't find it too sleepy. I find it fascinating. I'm just curious what he wants to do. I'm sure that has been, and I, I'm making a lot of assumptions here with him and the kids and the way he's acting with the kids and he's engaged and mm -hmm. he's coming home from work. He has a routine for sure. Sure. Yeah. He, he's providing by, you know, engaging in conversation, making cocktails. That's the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. However, I think he's avoiding the harder conversations on, you know, it's very comfortable for him right now. And, and he's good with that. And, and I think that's why he's obviously on the more conservative side. And then she's very much like, look, we're 10 years into this. Our kids are getting bigger. Our space has gotten smaller because of the kids. The, I mean, the, back to the set decoration, they did a phenomenal job of making those door handles and, and all the grab marks on the doors dirty. The yeah. walls kind of marked up Yeah, and, and the kitchen being really drab and her desire to kind of like, Let's let's get out of this and kind of refresh where we're at. Yeah. And I think that's what that's what all that pent up kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing that's that he's probably very comfortable because in this, right. this day and age, we're talking about 1956. She doesn't have a job. Exactly. Mm. Her job is the caretaking of the kids 
and the, the house. house. Sure. She's in this environment all day dealing all day yeah. long looking mm-hmm. at it and he gets to go and do other things. And then he comes home and, and you know, where it's like, she, he's not even addressing the fact that like, Oh my God, I'm tired of this thing that I've been looking at all day. I'm, I'm just, I'm not connecting with it. Maybe it's just me. No, but I think no, she did. She did come at it pretty hard for sure. In fact, that was one of the comments. I'm like, wow, she just called him like uh, uh, a coward. And you know, yeah, um, she's ashamed of him. Um, yeah, she's that's that that was it. Yeah, but I think that's her character as much as he's playing his character. Right, her character think- is designed to be that you know the nagging wife who just kind of wants more from from the relationship and the the husband. Is she is she supposed to be? Why is he allowed the space to be him? But she's also portraying a character at the same time, right? yes, which kind of exactly. oh, sure, fuel, sure. fuels his, fuels the story in whatever way, whatever story there is to. Well, right, and and this is where I'm trying to, I guess, find find the line that gets blurred between the performer and the role. Mm. And I'm just wondering if maybe if somebody else had been cast in the role, would it be more clear that he's more of a sad sack than we actually see him? Because he's a very well put together man in a gray flannel suit and he rides mm-hmm. the train. And has a certain amount of pride no matter what he's doing and the way he carries himself. Yeah, yeah. And he's he carries the knowledge. But you know, like, um, and this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. But <laughs> oh, is this a hot snake? I don't know if it's a hot snake Coming so much as a, so much as an observation that I've made. Hot snakes, in life. a lukewarm snake, right? Okay. Um, a lot of like, at least from my experience, and you know, in a lot of the couples and Indian married people that I've witnessed and seen, yeah, the wives are always like this. <laughs> 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 like I've seen this type of woman, like. So much in my just Indian thing, though. I think that that is okay. So you and I, Shreshma, I think we're here and we can identify with the wife, right? And I'm saying like this conversation that she's bringing up is not like this just happened today. This is something something that's been been going on for a decade. Yeah, exactly. Right, and you guys are like. Why is she being so hard on me? No, I was right. So, you know, I mean, I love you both. But But she has, she, you know, she, she had to be away from her husband for however many years. And, you know, like it's, 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 she has a journey in this story too, that although the focus is him, although, you know, I find her quite annoying. Like I found her really annoying. Oh, okay. Well, to be fair, but like, who just, you know, like, fuck, go out and work then. But that wasn't the time. Like, right. you know, right. you don't, you didn't have, that was not how the, the, the society was yeah. like, it, it, that was the, you know, it was a different time, different blah, blah, blah. I'm but, not saying that her behavior isn't justifiable. I'm sure it is. I just think that the narrative that we're given is, isn't doing the heavy lifting that puts you in that place to empathize with her in this, in the way that yeah, maybe they're asking empathize you to. With her. What if this Carolyn role- does. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What? (laughs) So basically, here we are sitting here saying, like, there's no way that Gregory Peck's a sad sack. He's too handsome. (laughs) Why is she being so mean? Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I just, I just feel like she came out of the gates real hot, and I wasn't sure why, but she continues to be hot throughout the entire film. We're going to keep talking about it. She she was very um, frustrated. 
she's fr- like, you know, she's like, I need a good life and you're not giving me a good life and I'm going to really blame you for yes, it. Yes, yes. Versus what can I do to make my life better? I'm just saying it's a lot in the first 10 minutes of right. a movie. I it's, get it. it's real, But it does right. set the table for what's to come. Right. Which is, and also let's keep in mind, I think we don't really address this enough, but again, this is after at least two very large drinks that we're having this conversation. Right. And I think in the rea- in the reality of this world, that would impact anybody, right? But in the film, I think it's just a thing that people do. It's just blocking, basically. But And they're not acknowledging that like, yeah, they're kind of hammered at this point, mm. yelling at each other. But they are- they were yelling, drinking, and yelling at each other. Oh, I don't know, but let's let's get away from the kitchen for a minute because he goes back to the train the next day, and having had this argument with Betsy, who who does later apologize for being rather aggressive, she, even she acknowledges, "Hey, I was hot out of the gate. It's the first ten minutes of our movie. Sorry about. I don't know where it came from. I do. It came from, mm. came from it's you. ten years of frustration. But, that's cool. Yeah, and ten years of, <laughs> and alcohol and ten years of frustration." <laughs> Uh, and your personality. All right. So anyway, he goes back onto the commuter train the next day and he talks to his commuting buddy and he's like, you know what? I think I would like to meet with this new position and at least just take a, take a shot at it. He's like, okay, I'll set it up. And before he makes it into the city though, he looks up and he sees the back of a man's head and a fur collared jacket. And this triggers something, and all of a sudden, we are in winter, uh, a a deep European winter during the Second World War, and we have flashback, and we all of a sudden, we are in the middle of a war picture. David, how did you feel about this turn here when we start flashing back? I obviously, I I can't have a flashback kind of idea like that, but as soon as I saw the fur collar, I was like, just kind of knowing the premise of it, I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is going to be a first flashback. Um, and I like how it was related to his frigid encounter of uh, that particular evening in, in wherever that was in Europe. I guess it was maybe Italy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess it would be. Yeah, but I, so and I see this and I'm like, great. All of a sudden, it's, it's the Second World War. This is home to me. I've watched a lot of these okay, movies movie from this. Person. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and this particular flashback. I would say is the most fun of the flashbacks. If, if you're gonna, if you're gonna call it fun, and I will, because this to me reads like I'm watching this, these guys sneaking up, killing Nazi soldiers for their jackets so they don't freeze to death. I'm thinking Dirty Dozen. I'm thinking we're Eagles Dare. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the heroes of Telemark. All of these, I'm thinking Guns of Navarone, a lot of sneaking around a small band of people, Force 10 from Navarone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the great escape even has some of this Kelly's heroes that it, these are all pictures where it's like small group of American soldiers and their allies have to go break into the Nazi castle. You know, this is sort of the, the great romance of the second world war is that you have the horrors of modern warfare mixed with all of these fabulous old palaces and manor homes and things like that, that they're occupying throughout the continent. And so there's something kind of, Hyper romantic about it. Very, uh, you're mixing the, the 20th century with the 18th century and it's bizarre sometimes or the 12th century or, but this is the part where for a second it's kind of fun. But then we get to the pivotal moment where Gregory Peck 
is put in a position where he has to either kill a man or be killed himself. And Mm -hmm. there's a moment where he gives pause and then the soldier, he is threatening at that moment, makes a sound and he has to kill him. Uh, Very up close and personal way as well. Just stabbing him through the chest. Yeah. So that's the end of Operation Coat. And later they find out we, we catch up with them after this part of the campaign and we discover that they have learned that they're going to be shipped out, not for the United States of America as they thought, but for mm-hmm. the Pacific theater. So this is after the war has been settled in Europe, presumably. And at this point, everybody's kind of like, well, this is a bunch of bullshit hating this. So he's like, you know what? Let's go out. We're going to get some drinks. And he goes out with his buddy and they have some cocktails and they meet a local woman named what's her name Gina I think I think Gina it's, and Maria Gina oh, yeah. and Gina right. the sergeant's right. right so his sergeant friend Maria picks up Gina who takes them back to a place in town they old old school yeah. horse drawn I thought carriage. they were immediately going to get ripped off in the alley and look oh, what okay. happened <laughs> David Higley, it's a setup setup okay okay setup. well there's something something's going on because and, and certainly the they're aware of it too because they're like, hey, she starts to go inside and they're like, hey, you're going to come back, right? Like, you you need to come back because I'm not. I, we have spent a lot of time and effort this evening trying to keep you here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me go get my my cousin and then we'll all have a nice time together. And so she brings out Maria and Gregory Peck, who is not very excited to be there at this point. I believe I have a picture of him. In his carriage, there he is, looking <laughs> rather over it all. But then he turns around and he sees Maria and he falls immediately in love with her. He is taken by her beauty and she is a very attractive woman. It is true, not very surprising. So he falls for her pretty hard, very quickly, and they spend time together. He's had some drinks, and so he's already talking about, like, I'm going to make you my widow and all this. Yeah, what was that about? He's just, he's all Because he's, he's all like, um, is he going to, because he was going to die soon? Because he's in the war? Yeah, he thought he was going to go to the Pacific Theater and get killed. Yeah, so I think, is this the part where he talks about this, where he's like, I'm, I'm all about living in the here and now. This is the experience I'm having. And this is where I think... The civilians back home, including his wife, including people like us who have never been in this scenario. I mean, you you have to be in a different mentality. David, correct me if I'm wrong. When you're in that <laughs> situation, uh, you are thinking about things. You are, uh, I'm sure there is a, uh, a slide of morality, like the window opens or closes or changes. I don't know. You tell me. I, I think that's uh, it, certainly not too far off. And I would say here's the difference in my experiences and the, the experiences certainly of um, the, the the past and, and even present day mm-hmm. is the duration in which they've spent there, right? My, my duration was that of really months versus, um, you know, a whole deployment over the course of years. Right. Uh, right. And certainly uh, we did not see anything uh, like, you know, me suffering through a frigid European winter, having to um, intimately 
stab somebody mm-hmm. because I right. want to die, right? Right. So I think I think I think it's it, that whole aspect of I want you to be my widow is is probably him going through after a night of drinking with his with his buddies and he's like not really wanting to be there and then him explaining mm-hmm. you know there's there's an end to this but I want you to be part of it right 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 um, they yeah they proceed to spend time together adventuring and hooking up in these beautiful ruins like this is a spectacular shot of this destroyed old italian villa somewhere and they they are hanging out in the ruins it is Let's just remember that this is a flashback that goes on for 20 minutes while he's on the train. He's he's, he's just riding the train right now. He's looking at the back of this man's head for 20 20 solid minutes. I mean, he's going through months of his life at this point. And I just got to say, I mean, I know it's a dirty, ruinous scene, but it's also kind of sexy, too. There's something hot about it. They built – they've got this huge fireplace all of themselves. They built a, a fire and then – also wanted to just point out here they've got a oh, nice I, spread. Know, it's, oh, it's phenomenal. Sausage, cheese, wine. This is I mean, <laughs> look, this is sexy here, but what's really sexy is this loaf of bread back here. And yeah, <laughs> this is some kind of salami or something like this. We got some kind of cakes. We got a we got an apple. apple. This is a this is a chunk of cheese, no doubt. It looks like they have been Are you craving bread, Justin? Eating <laughs> we just had a conversation about bread. You know I am. And you know that I have regrets, but you also know that I know that if I buy a loaf of bread, I'm using it once and then it's going to go bad the next time I come to it. Uh, They have taken down some of this red wine as well, but I'm just glad to see that they are eating and drinking this food. I'm not seeing bites out of this food, though, and that concerns me. It might be plastic. I hope they – Like, you know, No, plastic doesn't exist at this time. Not really. Not as props. So it, he's using a rations box. It looks like obviously. Oh yeah, just, oh yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Smart. Because was this? This was after he got the jeep, and all the kids brought in the rations and the spam and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. So this is some leftovers that he had, like strategically stashed for his picnic. They, they, they've gone through the trouble of laying it out. I just would like to see some bite marks in some of this food. I mean, it's, it's all prepared. You know, well, I don't like waste. If you over to the other side of the screen, you'll see some bite marks. <laughs> <laughs> These two. Ooh, red hot. Red hot. Uh, oh, also, at this point, again, this flashback is, boy, still, we, so long. still, still running. She drops a pregnancy bomb. She is all about wanting to have his baby. She's going to have his baby. He's like, are you cool with this? She's like, oh, I pray for it. She, so he, Okay, I missed this part. So he knew she was pregnant. Even yes, yeah, so he knew about him having a son when yes. but she said, she I, said think so. I, "I think so." I think I'm pregnant. She uh, thinks so, and then we find out that he does not stay in. Con- he's not in contact with her after they yeah. part ways. So he, it's always kind of a mystery in the back of his mind. This is probably part of the change that his wife intuits when he returns. I mean, well, of course it would be. Why wouldn't it be? Hello again, everybody. Just breaking in here to remind you of the incredible products available for you to take home with you from Old Movie Time Machine. Today, of course, we're going to be talking about our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes. Uh, It occurred to me last week that maybe you don't know what the show notes are. We're making a lot of assumptions here when we talk about anything podcast related. But basically, when when you look at a podcast, you find it on your phone or the device of your choosing, and you press it. And, you know, the sounds come out. There are also words that appear. And those are 
called the show notes. And so if you scroll to the bottom of those, you know, get a description of the episode, go beneath that, you're going to get links to our Tea Public store. You know, go get yourself a Grandma's Ashtray coffee mug. And there's also a link to our Patreon page. We call it the Boom Room. And for $2 a month, you can sign up and receive more than twice the content you get here on the free feed. So you can get all of the inside bits, you know, get the inside scoop, the references, the drops, the inside jokes, maybe, that we would be missing otherwise. You know, you're in the inner circle. You are basically my best friend. So sign up. It's $2 a month. Join us at the Boom Room. And if you do, you know I'm going to thank you, just like I will right now. Thank you. And now back to the show. Okay, so we are winding down here. Yes, because after all of this is when the Mm -hmm. elevator conductor turns out to be his sergeant from Italy. Right. Right. So he calls him out in the elevator. He's like, hey, Hey, there. It's me. Captain. Right, right. And he's like, would you – I saw you – when you started working here, would you meet me after work? Let's get a drink. I need to talk to you about some things. And so, and Tom knows exactly what What types of things as I'm sure all veterans are like, yeah, I know we, we need to talk about the things because we're the only people who can talk about these things with each other. We were the only people who can share this experience and share the processing of this experience. So they meet up at a cocktail lounge a spectacular cocktail lounge, by the way. Right. I would love I to go there know. and have a drink. And this is the face of a man who has just found out and from his former sergeant <laughs> that he does, in fact, have a mystery son living somewhere in Europe from his dangerous liaison with the Maria. very attractive Maria, his Italian sweetheart. And this is this is the deal. So it turns out that his sergeant, I forget his name, Stayed with Gina. They are still together. Yes, they're still together. So he's still in touch with Maria, the cousin, and she has had the son. Got married. They have been trying to help her out. She had gotten married. And then the new husband died. And so she's back sort of stuck, no money, living with Gina's mother. Now, are we to assume, or is this, am I going too far here? Are we to assume that she marries the... We're led to believe substandard man a couple months after they part ways because she is pregnant. And so maybe we can convince the world that this kid is this man, something along those lines. The question would also be, was, is it really his kid? Is it really Tom Rath's kid? Yeah. I guess that's never really answered. I guess that can't really be answered at this, in this day and age. But he feels responsible. But he's absolutely. And why, and and why not? I mean, that's very understandable. They had this conversation before he left, but the sergeant is like, "Hey, I we try to help out, but also this is not my kid. You know, this is not this is not my partner, my baby mama, and this is not my baby." So, since you seem to be doing so here, well, here. and even though yeah. she hadn't responded to you, like I let her know that you were doing well. Mm-hmm. You know. And here's this letter. Here's a picture of the kid. So, and, and the kid does bear a resemblance to Tom. And he lays it out. He's like, look, a hundred bucks a month will change their lives. You know, anything you can send is going to be a big deal. 
and he wants to do it. Now, again, we're talking $100 doesn't seem like a lot to us now, but we are talking about a salary of 10K. Yes, which I so, just looked up currency uh, or, uh, it, well, inflation mm. calculator. That's yeah. about $108,000 yes. today. $10,000 uh, oh, salary 10K. in 1956 okay. is okay. you know uh, mm-hmm. a low six figure today. Right. So he's he's looking at payment uh, support payments of over a thousand dollars a month to send overseas to help out uh, this this woman and and their child. So now we get to the nitty gritty of this movie that we're towards the end, and this is where things start to get very real. I think this is where the movie almost pays off its length, I would Mm -hmm. say, because he then has to go home and tell his wife, hey, honey, here's the deal. I met somebody when I was in the war and I have a son. What do you think? And she reacts. Her reaction was just like, man, this is this could be happening today. Like she she goes through all of the emotions And all of the responses. I mean, it was, why, it was like, yep, this doesn't doesn't matter what the year is. This is this is what right. you're getting. And kind of when you were talking about thinking that she's really coming down hard on him, this scene mm-hmm. again shows you like she waited for him. And she still feels like she's waiting for him to be fully invested in their lives to a certain extent. Right, right. And she she nails it right away, like, this is the change. This is what was different about you when you came home from the war. This is, and she starts asking all those difficult questions that are going to be asked mm-hmm. when you're this guy and you have to make this type of confession. Was she prettier than me? Would you love her more than uh, me? Yeah. Would you rather be with her? Maybe you should go be with her. I mean, it's, it's rough and it's real and it's intense and she is entitled to all of those feelings. And it's a great performance. Yeah. I think uh, that, that the uh, the actor is giving at this point, I buy it. It's it's totally real, and I think it's also around this time. So she runs out of the house. She needs some alone time, as she's gonna do. Gets in the car and speeds off. Yes, she gets into the car and speeds off. Is this the same? But before she leaves, is is this the same scene where that he describes his experience over there? Because I thought this was also very crucial. It's it's very brief, but I think it's critical. He's like. I have to talk to you about my time in the war. Right. Like if, if we're going to have this conversation, you need to know what, I was dealing what my with. experience yeah. was. And I had to kill 17 men yeah. eyeball to eyeball. And that was my life. That's how I was living. I think that was one of the most realist parts right. of this. Like that, I exactly. felt ex- like he was like, you don't understand what I'm going through. Right. And you're just seeing life from your perspective. And that's a very like, today's problem right like yeah oh people just not see of course being empathetic right and think think about these circumstances again millions of men probably had to go through a similar right okay great (laughs) as long as you saw it's like the last 10 minutes of the movie but it's so poignant for, for both you know husband and wife to talk about why it's fucked up now is some shit that happened 10 years ago and how it fucked them both up yeah, it's yeah. I just said that. <laughs> it's just it's very real, and it's and it's powerful and dramatic, and it still works today. And so she, but she takes off. She is not doing very well with this, and she runs out of gas and is picked up by the police, and he has to go pick her up. 
and the boss calls and says, Hey, I want to take you on this business trip to California. Yes. And he says, Yes. So I'm, you know, I've got to be a nine to five guy. Got to be here for my family. Yes. Because this is okay. So to go back to the boss scene where he's like, I had to work to, to build this thing. And I'm that person. And it takes people like me instead of you nine to fivers, he throws it in Tom's yeah. face. You know, like you people don't have the initiative and that, that's his dark face. And then he comes out of it and he's like, I got to take a break and like, give me, give me some time here. But yeah, so this is where Tom does admit. He's like, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just a nine to fiver. I'm not like you. And to his credit, Ralph is pretty accepting of it. He's like, well, it takes both, both kinds, yeah. you know, I can't do what I do without people like you. So I understand. And we'll see you back at the office bring your version of the speech. I would like right. to read it. It's probably the way I want to go. And so then we resolve with going back to the judge from grandma's inheritance who helps Tom and Betsy sort out the support mm-hmm. payments. And, and it really comes down to Betsy saying, this is something that we want to do. And the judge acknowledges, you know, how amazing that is for one, the honesty to be there between the two of them and two for her to be supportive. Yeah. It's very exceptional on her part, uh, on her character. I I wonder, I wonder what the statistics would say about this scenario. I mean, again, of course, marriage has an entirely different meaning at this point. And you know, divorce is not like a thing that happens easily in this day and age. But I don't know how you come back from this. This is, this is a tough, it's a tough one. So the fact that they do work through it at the end uh, yeah. is a testament. And they get in the car and they have a, some, some have a really passionate kiss. Like they're like, I love you. Yeah. And also just one more, one more great moment in, in, in cigarette lifestyle. Okay, this is, a, this is the cigarette that you have after you tell your wife about your second, <laughs> son and your second family. Deserved. This is uh, how you do it. You stand in dark, you stand in the shadows of your inherited manor house that is made entirely of bric-a-brac, apparently. There's so much, so many objets in this old manor house. It's just like, how many tiny Statues. marble statues can one person yeah, well, collect? Is, it's, it's bizarre. Grandmothers. Oh, no, it's all grandmas. Yeah. It's just, but it's you have not ever visited a Nowrose house because they're held up oh, by okay. Royal like, Copenhagen. That looks like, that looks like the best thing you guys are into uh, very tiny statues. Okay. Yes. Good to know. Go, ex- expect this for the holidays, I guess. We'll get you some kind of neoclassical uh, nine-inch tall thing, bit of objet for you to put on your many end tables. But thus concludes the man in the gray flannel suit. Wow. What a journey, you guys. Indeed. I'm journeyed out. How are we feeling about it? Trishman Nike. <laughs> Hey, let me I ask. think I think I enjoyed talking about it more than actually watching. I it. agree. I agree. And and again, I will come back to we we spoke about this earlier. Like, I appreciate this movie, but I don't know if I like this movie. But the parts that I do like, which adds up to about ten minutes, him carrying his buddy's body around his, his war experience, uh, and then this final, the final series scene. of scenes of of honesty, of brutal honesty, those really do hit home for me. And I think they do work. It's just a lot of padding around it. But what do you guys think across the ocean there? I, I'm going to give it a yes because I think it speaks. Is this where we keep it? Yeah. Yeah. Would you, do we keep watching? I'm going to say yes. And I will say that admittedly it was very slow 
I I would love mm-hmm. to edit this. I actually also would love to see the John mm. Hamm HBO mini series version of this. Is there one? No, but I'm asking for John Hamm and HBO to do this or Netflix. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. It can be a streaming service, but could someone give me John Hamm in this role and I will watch the 10 episodes that you make and it will be better. Definitely. Okay. David? Yes. Do we keep do we keep watching this? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very good. Uh, why? What do you think? Tell you, me your thoughts. It, uh, Greg Peckery in this role. I, I love him. I, but yeah. I, the, the man, Mr. Peckery himself, I very much appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I would agree with the editing of certain aspects of it. As, as specifically, uh, the daughter needs to go. And, but not the daughter with chicken mm-hmm. pots. The, the <laughs> Ralph's daughter. She's broken. Get rid of they have a spare. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> They have another yeah. daughter. I, I think when she kept on asking if she was dead, she was talking about Ralph's daughter. Um, the <laughs> and and then you know some of the inheritance aspect of it. Uh, aside from that, I think uh, to Carolyn's point of having John Hamm, whether he does it or somebody else does it in a modern day miniseries, even input in today's world mm-hmm. would work. Um, it, it certainly for for Definitely. the the not just the mental health aspect. But just for the mm-hmm. the relationship and and um, I mean maybe maybe the wife is not a stay at home home mother but she also is uh, telecommuting full time and has to balance <laughs> taking care of mm-hmm. all the shit. I, I think the woman in the gray flannel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Stop talking about me. Upgrade that story. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Trishman Ike. Okay, so it's a yes, yes. from you. Okay. Shirtman Ike, do we keep watching this? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, okay. So, yes, it's a yes for me. It is a yes for it me. Is, it is. Wow. Okay. Okay. But there's one point I would like to make in that um, in all these movies and the, the windows that we keep walking through, mm-hmm. I just feel they're so um, very focused on um, white people. Yes. Oh, you think? Right? Yeah. So that's my fundamental problem with all these movies. Right. It's that it's a very limited world. Um, when we're looking back into the past, it's a very limited view of what the world is mm-hmm. and was. Mm-hmm. And so that being said, yes, I think it's a very like as slow as it was. And as much as I like, I think it's a it's a very real story about about a human being and their their sufferings and mm-hmm. I think there's yeah why not a Bollywood it's, yeah. version of this I think there is a Bollywood version I think, you could, have, I think you could have any version yeah I, I don't think it has exactly to like it's a re, it's a relatable story it's not mm-hmm. just an American yeah. story yeah yeah it's right a, it transcends culture it transcends, yeah. it's transcends culture and so yeah I think we do I think there was it was uh, if you can kind of sit through um, the, the movie I yeah. think there's some really good like I, I can still be like when the one about I'll make you my widow mm-hmm. and the one where he's like, this is what I've been through. Why don't you right. understand? Those were very real moments. for right. me. Yeah, so, I, I totally agree. And it's and it's the same thing. Yes, for me, yeah. knowing that ideally we would love to tighten this up a little bit, right. but the potent moments are very potent and they right. still work yeah. and they justify the long walk that it takes to get to them. 
barely, just barely. I think it would be more effective. We can tighten it up a little bit. Just yeah, bring it down sure. to two hours. You know, you cut out the grandma stuff. That's that's twenty minutes yeah. easy. And then we have a, a much more focused, I would yeah. say, picture about a man making his way in the world right. as a as a veteran. Which I think you know, like a lot of stories about people making their way in whatever mm-hmm. circumstances they find, and it's mm-hmm. just. It was not so like there was some relatability to this movie for me in just terms of like it's a it's a story about yeah blah, blah, blah. So and as and as a genre this is a melodrama right. it's supposed to be yeah. a exactly. soap opera yeah. of of sorts yeah. it's we don't we don't get any comedy well, in no. this <laughs> and even the war stuff is not ad- adventuring yeah. war stuff it's not a romanticized view of it's not Jim Brown dropping bombs down chimneys and things like that it's uh. Or what's his face? The um, who's the guy who played the ukulele? The Dirty Dozen. Who am I thinking of? Yeah, and the Dirty Dozen. He dies in the parachuting. Trini Trini Lopez. Is it Trini Lopez? Yeah. Well, somebody somebody verify it. Instagram mm. verify it, please. Sorry, what was uh, it? No. <laughs> I think Trini Lopez plays ukulele or a very small guitar, and then he dies on the Dirty Dozen mission. But Lee Marvin is still proud of him because he tried real hard, even though he was a convicted something or other they were all monsters the dirty dozen that was the whole point anyway getting off track here but yes so david Nowrose, star of old david time machine thank you so much for joining us on this episode of old movie time machine of the man in the gray flannel suit thanks for being a part of this i hope you will come back again maybe i look forward to it justin thank you it's been an honor an honor (laughs) I mean, we have to get him on a slightly funnier one. uh, (laughs) This was a heavy one to start you off with. We have to get you on a bourree also. Oh, Oh. bourree for Bollywood. New episodes coming soon, world. Look out for it. Look out for it. Okay, David, I'm going to keep an eye out for something real goofy and stupid. And then we're going to, we're going to call you up. Okay. Perfect. But thank you for taking on this very serious motion picture. You are the only person capable of doing this with us, I think. So, and this is only the, putting the, up with us. <laughs> this is the only time. This is the second time I've said yes to a movie. Only the second time. Wow, that says something. Do you think David influenced yeah. your? You feeling pressure from David? No, <laughs> he's a nice man and handsome. Yes. Have you heard? I've heard. I've oh, seen right, right. <laughs> in person. <laughs> <laughs> and so concludes another episode of Old. Movie Time Machine. We do want to thank our guest, David Nowrose, yet again. Thanks, Davey, for joining us and being such a great sport and talking some gray suits with us. Great times. But let us know what you think at home. Write us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com and tell us what you think about Gregory Peck and his gray flannel suit and his wife and his mistress and his love child. You tell us. And next week, we didn't really talk about it, but we're going to be watching... 1957's Peyton Place. That's right. Our analysis of people of the era. You know, we've done ladies with Hilda Crane and men with the man in the gray flannel suit. Next week, we're going to be talking about the kids, those teens of Peyton Place, 1957. So if you want to check it out before the episode drops next Wednesday, you can rent or buy it at the following locations. DirecTV, the Microsoft Store, Voodoo, YouTube, Google Play, Amazon, and of course, last but not least, Apple TV. So check that out and join us here 
And until next Wednesday, when we are talking Peyton Place, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.